WOND Pleasantville. Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving our nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 21 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is the first time that you're joining the program, I just want to briefly share with you the idea and the heart behind this show. It is a program focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories of servant leaders each week, people that focus on honoring God with their talents and their abilities, and blessings just naturally follow from that as a byproduct. It's not something you pursue. You want to live your life in a way that honors God, and He will honor and bless you for it. Because regardless of what your skills and your gifts are, serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And you can see that in various guests guests that we've had in the past. We've had people in the military, business, faith, community, and family leaders. But last week in particular, for the 4th of July, we had the great privilege of having General Retired Carter Ham and the former Sergeant Major of the Army Retired, Dan Daly. And these two individuals really illustrated for us how you can serve not only in the United States military, but then when they transitioned, they are now serving their community through AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. And they also really emphasized for us the importance of patriotism and holidays like the 4th of July. So if you missed last week, I would encourage you to get back and hear that. But today, we're going to focus on continuing this ministry of when you see a need, you're going to fill that need. Because we're all ministers given very special gifts. And what I want to just share with you about myself for today is that I'm a big believer in an idea called discipleship which is really where you're open and honest with another person that speaks words of life into you, words of truth into you, and helps you to walk the walk, if you will, to walk that path of Christian living. And I also really enjoy this idea of making a personal decision for Jesus Christ. And the two are very much related. So the guests for today are servant leaders in the area of faith, I have Mr. Dan Tarrant, who's the founder of Reengaged Ministries, the creator of Personally Catholic Book and Video Series, and a husband and father of three adopted children. In the second half, Chaplain Sean Callahan is an active duty chaplain. He devotes his personal time and energy to discipleship, and he's a father and a husband. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Dan Tarrant. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I worship is News Talk 1400 WOND. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Dan Tarrant. Dan, are you on the line, sir? Hey, it's great to hear you, Paul. 
And you. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be in the program here today. Uh, it's a huge blessing. It's a huge blessing. I love your show. I was listening in just now. You, you guys are doing a great thing. So it's great to be a part of it. Thank you, Dan. Well, listen, you've got a lot of things in your background, but I think maybe a logical place to start is this idea of re-engaged ministries that you started. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what it is, and how you came up with the name? Yeah, well, you know, our mission is to lead Catholics uh, into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in the heart of the Catholic Church. And people joke that we sound like an evangelical church within the Catholic community, and uh, I guess we are, but I guess... I just believe that being evangelical and Catholic uh, is synonymous, or it can be synonymous. And so what we found is that um, we want to re-engage or reconnect Catholics with Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we have had God at the periphery. We believe there's a God out there, but we haven't really engaged him in a personal relationship in here and let him in here, even though we've gone through the motions at church. And so our job is to help Catholics cross that threshold into a truly personal faith, even if they've received the sacraments. Wow. So I saw on your bio and your website that you refer to re-engaged ministries as an apostolate. What does that word mean? Oh, an apostolate. Um, in a evangelical or Protestant terminology, that would be like a parachurch ministry. Um, so it's a ministry that comes alongside of local churches and helps them accomplish a specific mission. And uh, the specific mission we help local churches accomplish is uh, leading their parishioners to make a personal decision for Jesus Christ, a conscious personal decision to uh, agree with and welcome the Christ that um, is waiting for them at church every Sunday. So, Dan, for people that might be listening and they might not have a Christian background, can you just unpack a little bit of what that means to you to make this personal decision? Like, what does that look like, and, you know, how does somebody go about that? What, what does that really mean? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, St. James in the Bible, he says that even the demons believe that there's a God out there. You know, and they say 90% of Americans believe there's a God out there. But being a Christian is somebody who takes the God who's out there and welcomes that God into his life personally, to to be in charge of his life as God, to be a leader, to be the Lord of his life, and also to recognize his need for forgiveness. Because whenever we come face-to-face with God, we're going to come face-to-face with our our shortcomings and our need for grace and unconditional love. Um, And so that's accepting God as a Savior. So... I think, really, it's just about letting the God who's out there in here, which means recognizing that he's God and he has to be in charge, and recognizing that we make mistakes, and we're sinners, and we need to be forgiven. And when you recognize that, and you let that God in, I'm telling you, Paul, well, you know this, you'll fall in love with him. You'll fall in love with him. But, you know, I, I think it's an interesting distinction. When you were just speaking a minute ago, you said two different words. So you need to acknowledge that you need a Savior, right? And you're going to let God into your heart to do that. But then you also have to acknowledge that He is Lord, right? So it's it's yeah. a both end, right? So it's it's yeah. one thing to say, hey, you know, I'm a sinner, I messed up, and I need somebody to forgive me of my sins and save me and get me to heaven. Okay, great. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. But then the hard part is, hey, I'm also going to give you control of my life. You take the proverbial steering wheel and... It let your will be done, not my will. That is a much bigger right. ask. It is. And there's really no other way to receive God into your life. I mean, God 
is either the God of your life or he can't be in your life at all because he's, he's God. I mean, and uh, the word Christ, it means king, an anointed one or a king. Like, Jesus Christ can only be in charge or he really can't be there. Um, and uh, so when you welcome him as a savior for your sins, you also are welcoming him and he is the Lord. And he's, you know, he, he, he's the Lord of your life. So you have to let him be in charge. And that's a process. You know, Paul, I mean, that's a lifetime journey. I think we're on this planet for a whole lifetime because it takes a lifetime to come to a mature relationship with God. And uh, that's what we try to help people to do is be conscious of that need for a relationship and then to step into that maturity that happens over time. Amen. Well, you know, when you talk about the idea of, you know, it's kind of an all or nothing type thing, I, I know for sure that... God is always willing. He's always giving us an invitation. But we have to essentially RSVP or open the door. I remember when you gave the talk at the retreat, you had an, a visual about the door that Jesus is standing there and knocking, but the knob is on the inside. He's not physically yeah. capable of opening the door himself. We have to let him in. Right, yeah. God loves us enough to give us a free will, to let us be... Um fully human. We're not robots. Um, we're people. And uh, he wants a relationship, and a relationship takes two people. God said yes to us on the cross. God said to me, to Dan Parent, hey, Dan, I will accept you and love you just the way you are, because I died for every knuckleheaded thing you ever have done, are doing, or will do. But he said yes to me. The question is, if I said yes to him? Yes. Um, and you can't fake that, you know? Um, and you can look like you've said a yes, I mean, the Pharisees look like they said a yes, but in your heart of hearts, you have to decide if you've really said a yes. And the beauty is, is there's nothing between you and having a relationship with God but you. I mean, God took away your sins, and he can remove that barrier. It's just about you making a decision. So the doorknob, uh, he's done everything on his end. The doorknob is just on your side of the door, and you've got to open it to him. Amen. Yep. Well, you know, you mentioned that this is a lifetime process. So I wonder, I mean, what is the vision for Reengage Ministries in the next five years or 10 years? Like, what, what kind of growth do you per envision? Or, you know, anything like that. What's your plan moving forward? Well, it's funny you ask that. You know, like, I get asked that a lot. And I say, uh, my vision is to be faithful to Jesus Christ day by day. Amen. And, um, and, and, I, and I do have a sense of where he's leading things. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think the most important thing for any apostolate or ministry to do is to wake up each morning and say, Jesus, what do you have for me today? Yes. Um, I mean, if you ask the apostles what their five-year vision was for their <laughs> ministry while they were still following <laughs> Jesus when he was in the flesh, they'd probably think, oh, this and that, and then Jesus dies on the cross. <laughs> and they were all kinds of shook down. out. Yeah. Yeah. But so with that in mind, I, I do think that God is calling us to... Um, to reach more and more Catholics to make this personal decision about Christ. You know, we have, we reengage ministries produces these personally Catholic books and videos and the, our video work has really expanded. It's, it's really just unbelievable. And we have a show on Catholic TV, which is the cable network on Shalom world Catholic TV, also a cable network and on uh, the Catholic faith network. Uh, that's in New, New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. So the most local, um, and so we air things every week, and we always close with a, this, an opportunity to make a decision about Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, 
We always invite Catholics to make that next step and then to step into their parishes uh, with, with earnestness. Um, and I, I see that video work growing. We're working on a documentary series right now, which is really special, uh, following this men's prayer group. It's just extraordinary stuff. So I think our, our videos are expanding. Uh, our reach with that is certainly expanding. We also have a YouTube channel, Personally Catholic uh, YouTube channel. And um, you can find out all the stuff that we're doing on personallycatholic.com. We also have four books that have the imprimatur of the Catholic Church. So we're not just some fringe Catholic ministry. We're endorsed by Archbishop Chaput, and it's it's the real deal. So, yeah. I, I love it. you got a lot going on there, Dan. Yeah, yeah, we do. We're blessed. We really are. And we've got amazing donors. I mean, I spoke to someone just today. Um, actually, no, just yesterday. And they said, oh, you're doing great work. And I said, well, it's really easy. I mean, I'm serving a great God, and I'm in a great uh, Catholic Christian community. And we've got great donors who've made this work possible. So I'm just blessed. I love it. Well, how did this start for you, Dan? Like, when did you feel the call to ministry? What was that experience like for you? Well, um, well, I had a very powerful experience of Jesus Christ in third grade, believe it or not. <laughs> I told nobody about it uh, until I was in college. And... Um, Someone had asked me, I was raised Catholic, and so somebody had asked me, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I was like, I don't know, but this happened. And, um, and I think when I was a child, I recognized that God was up to something unique. But when I started talking to people in college, I was like, whoa, God does have a call on my life. And um, I was actually pre-med in college with straight A's, believe it or not. God bless my parents. I think they were heartbroken when I stopped that. I said, no, I think God just has other things. And... Uh, and I thought, oh, well, hope my son will be a priest. And it wasn't priesthood either. Yeah. Um, and it was just to be a lay servant of the church. And um, and I think God gave me more clarity on what that looked like over the years. But it's always been, always been, to invite Catholics to make a personal decision about Jesus Christ. It really has been. Um, and understand that they're saved by God's grace and not by, um, you know, not by somehow deserving heaven, because we don't. Grace is always an undeserved gift. And... Um, by accepting this free gift of God's love and living a life of response to it. So, yeah. I love it. Well, in all the time that you've been doing it since you felt that call to ministry, has there been a time that really stuck out for you where God really showed up and, you know, it's just something you've been carrying around as a memorable moment? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are two. I mean, when I was in college getting my degree, still just, you know, I'm an English major, theology minor, I ended up getting out of college and getting my master's in theology just for the heck of it, because I'm like, who wouldn't want their master's in theology? Sure. God bless my parents again. And um, God really, there were two times in my life where I felt like there was a, I wouldn't say an audible, I don't know how to explain it, but it was clear that God was calling me into ministry. And that was a powerful experience. And um, it would take a while to explain it all, but that was a powerful experience. And then the other really powerful experience, Paul, was... um, at the Global Leadership Summit, uh, ecumenical leadership training event that I would recommend to anybody, Christian, even non-Christian, pastor, professional, CEO, whatever, um, the Global Leadership Summit, it's coming up this August, and you can do it online or in person. And I was there, and I knew that Christ was calling me to start reaching adults. I had done a lot of youth ministry and inviting kids to make personal decisions about Christ, and um, I just broke my heart. And, um, and I kept waiting for him to show me 
how to take the next steps. And I just realized that, no, God just needed me to start taking the next steps. Um, and I didn't need to know how it all ended up. Left that conference, started uh, the nonprofit, Reengaged Ministries, got everything set up, and um, it's grown from there. So, yeah, it was uh, at an ecumenical event with my evangelical brothers and sisters and my Catholic brothers and sisters, and it was a beautiful event. I, you know, I, I'm actually going to that uh, coming up pretty soon, so I am excited about that, Dan. Yeah, it's a special, special program. Well, you mentioned before uh, your personally Catholic ministry. Can you tell me, like, how do you personally reconcile the idea of being born again and Catholic? And, you know, it, is that what the term means to you, personally Catholic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. Um, well, even the Church teach. I mean, I'm not telling you anything the Church doesn't teach. The mm-hmm. Church teaches that you could be a baptized Catholic and mm-hmm. not be saved yep. and not go to heaven. In fact, in Lumen Gentium at Vatican II, these are Catholic documents, it says that you can even be in a pew and, quote, not be saved. And you could be in a pew every Sunday and not be saved. Um, and so it takes more than just showing up. It takes really consciously welcoming Jesus Christ into your life. Um, it takes being personally Catholic, not just culturally Catholic. I guess the, the, the opposite of personally Catholic is culturally Catholic. Well, I was raised Catholic. I got the sacraments, and God's over there, and I'm over here. Yes. Uh, and Cultural Catholicism is a great start. Don't get me wrong. But at some point, you have to make a decision about this person, Jesus Christ. Uh, and if you don't, you're the only one who loses out. And uh, and if you start to step into that decision, God just, man, he just gives blessings that are beyond anything you could have ever imagined for yourself. So I think being personally Catholic is, is being Catholic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, there's no other really form of being Catholic. Everything else is kind of a, I don't know, like the uh, outer room waiting to step into the inner chamber yeah. of a real relationship with Christ. I get yeah. it. But you had also mentioned that the books and videos that you've produced, uh, they have the imprimatur. So for people that might mm-hmm. not be familiar with that, can you just explain what that is and the value of having that endorsement? Oh, it's huge. I would not have moved forward with any of our stuff without um, the imprimatur. So there, there are two steps. The first step is called the Neil Obstat, which is Latin for without obstacle or without theological error in layman's terms. And it gets reviewed by a theological board for the diocese or archdiocese that you're in. And it's review your text and say that it's without error. Uh, and then if it's without error, it still doesn't have the imprimatur. Then the bishop has to read it, and he has to actually think it's worth approving, um, that it has value for Catholics to read, and then imprimatur means let it be printed. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we have the imprimatur on four key texts. I've written a number of books, but we've only pursued it with things that I thought were, I don't know, maybe uh, would Catholics would scratch their head and say, this is definitely Catholic, and I wanted them to know it was. The first thing we got the imprimatur on was this thing called the Known series. It was a book called Known, uh, How to Have a Catholic and Personal Relationship with God. Um, and the other one that's really significant um, is uh, this book called Christian and Catholic. And the subtitle is, Can You Be a Born-Again Christian and a Catholic at the Same Time? I Am. And uh, both of those had the imprimatur. And Paul, Dr. Paul, they were groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they were both approved with really no revisions. I mean, it was really, they really just were approved right out of the gate. And so then I can go to a local parish and say, I'll give this 
talk for you or this series of talks for you and share these books and these videos, but they've already received the imprimatur, so you don't have to worry about vetting it. And that makes it very easy for pastors to say yes. And uh, so we did that to assure Catholics they were hearing a message that was truly Catholic, even though it might sound evangelical, and also for pastors and leaders in churches to know that they were secure and welcoming us to their communities. I love it. Well, we got about two minutes left, Dan, so really the last thing that I want to talk to you about, you know, I was reading your story and looking at your website. You have three children, and you have a lot of things going on in ministry. So the question is, you know, how would you uh, recommend to fathers and husbands that maybe have lost their faith, lost their way, and they're trying to balance everything they have going on in their life, but, you know, maybe they're not sure of how to take that next step, of how to restore that balance or lead their family well. What advice would you offer Mm -hmm. to somebody like that? Start each day with a conversation with God, even if, and then just give it three to five minutes. That's fine. That's all you got. But like start each day there, have a cup of coffee if you need to, but make sure it's quiet and you're on, or, on your own. And even if your conversation with God is just, hey God, in case you're out there, I'd like to talk to you because <laughs> you're not even sure if there's a God <laughs> out there yet. You start your day having a conversation with him and not with theological ideas in your mind or different beliefs in your mind. Just start talking to him. And he's going to talk to you, and you're going to know in your heart where he's leading you. You start paying attention to that, and he's going to lead you into his scriptures and into relationships with other Christians that uh, it's just going to blow you away. And the good news is that he will always accept you right where you are. You don't need to be any different to have that conversation. Because he died on the cross for your sins, you can have that conversation as an undeserving person, because the reality is that all of us are undeserving of even a conversation with him but he gives himself to us freely, uh, like he did on the cross. So every day, start with a conversation. Amen. Dan, I can't thank you enough for sharing everything about your ministry, your background, and how people can take their next step. It has been an honor meeting you a few weeks ago and now having you on the show, and I really just want to thank you for your time today. Ah, Thank you, Dr. Paul, and I hope to have you get involved with some of the... It'd be great fun. I would love to, Dan. Thank you so much again, and let's talk again soon. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Chaplain Sean Callahan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Chaplain Sean Callahan. Sean, are you on the line today? I am, Paul. How are you doing? I am well. First of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me here today, Sean. Hey, it's my pleasure. I can't wait. Well, Sean, you've got a lot of things in your background, but I think what's kind of central to our conversation today is your role as a chaplain. That's where a lot of it has started for you. So would you mind sharing with the listeners what your call to ministry was like for you, like how and when you first heard God's voice? Sure, that's a dangerous question uh, because we've been on forever, so I'll try to give you a short um, nit and gritty of it. I think, I, I think there was always this sense that, um, God wanted me in some form of ministry. I was always attracted to missions and the missions luncheons that we had. 
Um, but I sort of put it out of my mind because really I think where, where my passion was at the time was serving the military. And so I, I kind of pursued that and I had gone to college in ROTC and signed up a contract. And it wasn't until some study abroad experiences brought me into, into contact with a missionary that, that I really felt overwhelmed by God's call in my life. And so it's my, my junior year of college where I surrendered to that and I felt like God was saying, Sean, like, I want you to go into ministry full-time. I don't want you to just do ministry or just do church, but I, I want all of you. And so that was a, a tipping point for me. And as I wrestled with what to do with that, it was actually doing, what they used to call it LDAC, but the, the summer training in ROTC that you do after your junior year, there was a chaplain tent set up, and they hadn't really had many of those in the past. And I went in and sat down, and as I was wrestling with the question of God, what do I do now that I've signed a contract and kind of committed to the Army for the next eight years, um, he spoke to me in that moment and was like, this is it. You know, you can serve both your country and the passion you had for, for service members, but also you can serve me. Wow. So in ROTC, that you knew that you wanted to be a chaplain? Yeah, towards the end of ROTC, that kind of changed my branch assignment, my wish list. Yeah. I frantically in the beginning of senior year, switch all my preferences to the chaplain course so I could get into the chaplain candidate program. Okay, so how did that work for you? I mean, once you graduate, I know that you have to have a certain degree of education and certain degree of experience, so how did you go from being a college graduate to an Army chaplain? So I, I did a thing, the very thing that I didn't want to do and that my English professor had said I should do, and I laughed at him, but it was get an advanced degree, get a master's degree. So I had to um, apply for an endorsement, get accepted into seminary, and then apply for the chaplain candidate program. So essentially, I commissioned with an education delay, and that delay they call for a variety of reasons. So I went to seminary to earn a Master of Divinity, and then, so that's the initial kind of um, gate, gateway into the chaplain corps. You have to have your, your Master's of Theology, Master of Divinity, and then you start working on your pastoral experience, at least to be on active duty. And so was the MDiv on your dime or Uncle Sam's dime? It was on my dime, for sure. The Army, uh, they have always, since I hadn't had prior service, I didn't have the GI Bill to rely on. So, um, but God, God provided a scholarship for that from an outside source. So it, it's funny how those things work. When, you, when you're following God's rule and you think there's all these details that you don't know what you're going to do or how you're going to make it, that God kind of fills in all those gaps as you go along. He really does. And so I'm curious, of all the branches of the military, why the Army? I, mean, I know it's the varsity <laughs> team, but why the Army for you? So the idea of being on a ship all the time because I get seasick was very unappealing. I agree. So like, being in the Navy, I wasn't too keen on swimming, even though you really have to swim. Uh, but being on a ship and being sick all the time, I didn't ever think I would get my sea legs. I was interested in the Air Force, I like the pilot side of things, uh, but my eyesight wasn't that great. Um, so the Army is kind of where a lot of people in my family had served, my uncle and a few others um, in the past. And so that, that seemed like the logical choice. I had actually applied to the Marine Corps, and uh, I had applied for an ROTC scholarship for them. I didn't get the scholarship, but uh, the Army on the Army side, I didn't get a scholarship, but I had an academic scholarship, and I was sort of attracted to the Army program and some of the individuals there that I met in ROTC. And so it kind of just it was a good fit. Well, I love that. Well, you said that you had a period of time where you did the Ed Delay 
and then you were preparing for pastoral ministry. So what was that like for you? How did God prepare you for the chaplaincy? He said, you mentioned a minute ago that God kind of fills in the gaps and the details. What was that gap preparation like for you? So, you know, I went to seminary, and you know, as an encouragement to anybody who wants to do something they're incredibly uncomfortable with, I went there and I felt like I was, Shredding water with my like lips just barely above the surface because <laughs> like a lot of guys there had been in ministry for a long time or they had been to Bible college and I was over it was like they're speaking another language yeah. I remember it was in systematic theology and I just you know my head was spinning I was praying to God that no one would call on me in the class because I had no idea what anyone was talking about <laughs> so <laughs> I did the first year was pretty tough and just kind of learning. Uh, but I think the best thing about seminary for me was one, it forced me to get in the word, it forced me to learn. And so I, you know, I had to wrestle with a lot of deep things and, and truths and, and grow in my knowledge and understanding of scripture. I think, but the other part of that that was really the most formative were the relationships, both with my peers and also some of the professors. Yeah. And there are a couple of professors who I took, you know, all of their classes that they had to offer. And one in particular, in particular, Dr. Dave Early, he was the one who, who invited me out to his small group and began discipling me. And, like, I am so thankful for their examples and, and their relationship with me. And I think that, more than anything else, um, prepared me and shaped my understanding of what ministry was supposed to look like, what faith looked like, what family looked like, um, from the perspective of, of a follower of Jesus Christ. That is awesome, Sean. And how long have you been doing this chaplain thing? So I became a, a reserve chaplain in 2011, so it's about 10 years now that I've been doing like the chaplain thing. I was a chaplain candidate for a few years before that, so it's been, it's been a little while now. So 10 years as an Army chaplain, and in 10 years, how have you been able to serve others? What does that ministry look like for you over the last 10 years? That's kind of one of the appealing things about the chaplaincy is that it's, it's in the lifeblood. I mean, our mission is investing in people. Like, people join the military to serve the country and to serve others. Yep. The chaplaincy is unique in that you're joining, not, not just to serve the country, really, you're joining, I guess you could say it's a threefold service. You're joining to serve the country, but inherent in that, you're joining to serve people because yes. your, your business, your mission are the people who are doing the serving. And then beyond that, you're joining because you're trying to serve God in that capacity as well and to bring God to the service members. So has there been a maybe a most memorable time of all the 10 years where something really just sticks out to you as a time when God showed up? Well, that's another loaded question, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> I think like as a, as a chaplain, oh, man, there are so many moments, especially early on, where I'm just like this young, green uh, lieutenant and then captain who doesn't have a ton of ex- ministry experience to begin with, and then you get hit with like the deepest and the most messy and the darkest moments of people's life and their crises, and you know they're hoping that you can help them. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what the answer to this is. And most of my time as I'm listening is like, Lord, help me. Yeah, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> what am I gonna say? And and I think early on I learned that. To really be effective, I had to have a deep reliance on the Lord for, for that wisdom and the right words to say in those moments because yes. it's an art. Like, there's no perfect formula. 
and help and walking with people through, you know, the ups and downs of life. And then I think also there's this learned humility where I had to recognize my limitations and when I had to reach out. And there, there's a, a short list of people who I would call, you know, my buddy Mike Sula, hey, hey, Mike, what do I do in this situation? Or, or several other mentors, <laughs> like, well, how would you handle this? What did you do here? Like, what can I say? And and so it was a huge learning curve, but those were, uh, were very formative and memorable. Um, and, and I think like the, the joyful moments along the way, like the people you meet and experiences you have. I know, Paul, like you and I connected to the military and, and military ministry, and I think some of those moments, like I remember distinctly the, the pride and joy and, and just I felt when, when I got to see you preach for the first time on a Sunday morning in a chapel overseas. And it's like those moments are really, really special because, yeah. You, you know, you partner with people in their lives. You get to see God at work, and then you get to see sometimes, not always, sometimes you get to see the fruit of it. So, Sean, first of all, you know, you're uh, making me blush a little bit here in the studio because that time with you in Kuwait was one of the most important and formative times of my life. And you mentioned Dr. Dave early, if I heard you correctly, and how yeah. he was kind of formative to you. Is that what kind of got you started on this track of discipling other people and can you just share a little bit with the audience that might not know that term like what does discipleship mean to you and why would you invest so much of your time and energy to disciple other people so at a really basic level a a disciple if you're looking at it from like a biblical perspective or even just a a pure pure definition of the word it, it means it's to be a learner Right, so we can be a disciple of many things or many different people, but but that word is a learner. And if you were to look at it from the context within the context of of scripture, it would be someone I would say who is a follower of Jesus, who's being changed by Jesus daily, and he's participating in in Jesus's kingdom mission. And and so I think that you know on the one hand, you know that's that's a personal aspect of it i'm like i'm a follower of jesus i'm a learner sort of like sitting at his feet as my rabbi and then on the other hand as one who's following in his footsteps i'm learning to invest in other people just the way he did so you're sort of strategically or or intentionally investing in someone someone else's life and so that can kind of take the form of of coaching mentoring teaching but i think really it's a catch-all if I would say that the one who's being discipled is learning, and they're learning through information and imitation, so knowledge and also doing things with another person. And the person who is the discipler is is sharing their life with someone else. So they're sharing the insights that the Lord has given them through Scripture. They're, they're teaching them how how to read, how to study, how to understand, and then they're teaching them like how, how to do life as this kind of follower. And it could be as simple as, hey, like, come come with me as I, as I do this type of ministry or like you and I do it overseas in the chapel. Hey, like come partner with me in chapel. Or it could be as simple as like, hey, come come shopping with me and, and let me show you how I, I build new relationships or I love on my neighbor or I, you know, I do my work or I interact with my coworkers. So it's it's simple but but it's heavily relational based and, and, and really focused on, on the who that it is you're following. Amen. Well, Sean, we've got about a minute or so left, and really the last sure. thing I want to ask you, I mean, with all the things that you've done and all that you've learned, what advice might you give 
to men that are listening right now. And, you know, maybe they're seeking that wisdom. They want to hear from God and they want to do the right thing. But maybe they don't have a mentor or somebody to speak into their life as you did for me. What would you recommend that they take as their next step to seek that wisdom and to get on that path of righteousness and start being that disciple? Well, the Apostle Paul says to be imitators of me as I am of Christ, right? To the extent to, to which that we follow someone else is really wrapped up in how well they're following Jesus. So I say, like, at a minimum, and the most important thing would be to get in God's Word and start following Jesus. Start trying to put in practice those things and prayerfully ask God, like, bring someone into my life who, who can walk with me who maybe is a little bit further ahead of me. And then I'd say, as an, as an introvert, be bold. Like, yes. approach somebody. Ask if you could just... You know, watch them do something, be a part of something they're doing, meet with them more regularly, and, and look for those groups and those organizations that do that sort of thing. And, I, and I'd say, like, as a final reminder in this, because it's, it's not a perfect thing, and, and we're always going to mess up, and there's always struggles. Jerry Bridges says in his book, Discipline of Grace, he says, you know, there's never a day so good when you're beyond the need of God's grace, and there's never a day so bad when you're beyond the reach of God's grace. Mm. And so to remember that, like in those ups and downs and, and the successes and the failures, when you feel like you're hitting it right, when you're, when you're really struggling and feel like you don't know where to go next, that God's grace is always present. And all we do have to do is ask him, like, Lord, show the way. Like, help me here. And, and he's ready to help. Amen. Well, Sean, I cannot thank you enough for your time today, for your insights, and for the wisdom that you have shared with me over the years and with the listening audience today. Hey, Paul, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Sean. Listen, when we come back from the break, we'll reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. Stay with us. We'll be right back. South Jersey's News Talk, 1400 WOND. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. Welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, let's just briefly talk about what we've heard from our guests. I'm so excited about today's show and the really words of wisdom that you heard from Dan Tarrant and Chaplain Sean Callahan. You heard Dan talk about it's more than just showing up. If you want to serve people through your faith, you need to start with making a personal decision for Jesus Christ. And that means opening the door and letting him in to your life. Because he's going to stand there and knock, but we have to take that next step of letting him in. And Dan also said, you can start with something as simple as a three to five minute conversation in the morning. Just get up and talk to God and see what he has for you in that day. Ask him what he has for your life. Ask him for wisdom. And we heard a lot of the same type of recommendations from Chaplain Sean Callahan. He also talked about seeking God for wisdom. And Sean said that throughout his ministry, he was asking God for that wisdom. And I would say to you, neither one of these gentlemen mentioned this, but I would say to you, the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. And there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And you can read one chapter a day to get some of that wisdom. You can get into God's Word. You heard Sean talk about that. And he mentioned getting into prayer 
and being bold. And the most important thing that I think Sean said was that God's grace is always present. Whether we're having a high and we feel like we're on a mountaintop or a really bad day and we feel like maybe we're in the valley. So when we do all those things and we take those first steps of having a personal relationship with the God of the universe, that's how we can start serving other people through faith. Because when God is in you, then your faith is just a natural outpouring of that and showing love to other people because he's now residing in your heart. Well, listen, each week I talk to you about when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. Well, I got to tell you, last week I had an opportunity, yesterday I had an opportunity to practice what I preach, and I was involved in a serve project at the church where I attend, Kingsway in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And at that serve project, I was able to not only minister to a whole bunch of different young teen moms, but I was also able to recruit my next two guests for this coming week. They were uh, one guest, Cynthia Caldwell, was leading the project from yesterday. And the second guest, Miss Karen Escalante, was leading the project for today. They're both uh, some of my personal friends. Cynthia is an artist and a former teacher. She's also a mother and a grandmother. And she's a graduate of Kingsway Leadership School that I've talked about a few times in the past, as well as the coordinator of multiple local serve projects, including the one from yesterday. Karen is the mother of two kids. She's a coach for the Next Steps program at Kingsway Church, and she is also a graduate of Kingsway Leadership School and a coordinator of multiple serve projects, including the one that she did today. So I'm very excited about next week's show as well. I want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple Podcast mailing list. You can do that through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. And you can just check out the show tab on my uh, website for previous episodes of this program. Listen, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall But you never felt me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Your promise still stands ready